Greetings and welcome to a special episode recorded live in the on-site Stream Commerce podcast and studio at the Los Angeles Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum in early 2023. These episodes are presented by Stream Commerce, a full-service Shopify Plus e-commerce agency delivering world-class Shopify Plus digital storefronts and growth marketing solutions. Stream Commerce can help you navigate the new markets, Markets Pro and Global E-International capabilities native to Shopify and work hand-in-hand to help you drive profitable global sales. And if you have questions about whether or not your international Klaviyo email marketing and paid performance marketing with Meta and Google is working as hard as you are, call the experts at Stream Commerce. They can help you maximize your return. The Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum LA 2023 offered retail professional strategic insights and actionable takeaways about how industry leaders are tackling their top global DTC and cross-border e-commerce challenges and how they are successfully making a case for investing in retail growth. In this episode, we meet Mike Relic, co-CEO PacSun, and Matthew Merrilies, CEO North America, Globally. Let's listen in now. All right. Well, gentlemen, welcome to the Global E-Commerce Leaders podcast. How are you both doing this morning? Doing great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Doing well. Well, I finally get to say live from Hollywood. I've been waiting to say that uh, all day. My whole life I've been waiting to say that. But uh, listen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks again for joining me. So let's start out at the beginning where we should, which is tell me a little bit about yourself. Mike, why don't you start? Who are you? And and tell me a bit about yourself and, and what you do for a living. Well, first of all, I've been waiting to be live from Hollywood, too, so it's my first time. <laughs> all right. But yeah, I'm the co-CEO of PacSun, so for those of you who don't know, PacSun, it's a fashion retailer that's servicing the Gen Z consumer. Mm-hmm. We're headquartered in Anaheim, California, in Orange County. We were founded in 1980. We have 315 stores mm-hmm. in 44 states, and... We have about a third of our revenue coming from e-commerce. Wow. And so um, your background, uh, we were talking off mic, your background, you've been in retail a long time. Uh, you've got some Canadian connections, so, uh, which is really cool. Uh, would you describe yourself, you're, you're the co-CEO, so would you describe yourself now as an operator? You've got some technology in your background as well, but how, do you, how did, you, did you always want to be in retail? Like, how did you find your way here? I ended up in retail. You know, when I graduated, there was a little bit of a recession, and actually, I was going to join the Navy as a, mm. as an aviator. I wanted to be a pilot, you know, a Top Gun. But ended up, uh, I ended up getting an offer from a department store company. Mm. And I got the retail bug, and I've worked in retail ever since. And I started out in technology as a programmer and worked my way up. And I decided I liked operations. And mm. so I started assuming responsibility, running distribution centers, running customer service, running e-com. And then ended up as a COO, and then now I'm a co-CEO, but I handled mainly the operations side of the business. So do you find your technology background is is more of an advantage now than you would have think in the past in your role than it was before? We're all very technologically savvy, but that's always been the case for retail one way, shape, or another. Do you think it's changed over the years? It's definitely changed. You know, retail has evolved from being run by the merchant prince Hmm. who sat in their Ivy Tower and, you know, Picked the styles and decided what was happening, and IT was relegated to the corner. They put pizzas under your door and <laughs> decided, look, you know, don't spend too much money, but make sure the reports come out, yeah. you know, <clears throat> on Monday mornings. Yeah. Until now, you know, every country's a, every company's a technology company, and you look at retail, especially, it's getting much, much more complicated because mm. you've got multi channels, e-com. It's a technology play. Yeah. You've got inventory, which is your biggest source of working capital, and you need to be able to share that between channels and 
So inventory accuracy becomes a big issue. And integrating with third parties, like, you know, for local delivery, hmm. et cetera. And then, you know, now you got NFTs and, you know, do you use those for basically loyalty programs or, hmm. or you know, what have you. So yeah. I think... Um, Cybersecurity, I'm sure, as well, is a top, uh, top drawer issue as well, right? Cybersecurity is a huge issue, especially, you know, you read how many companies have actually been compromised. Yeah. There's one, and, one happening as we speak today, uh, Indigo Books in, in Canada, they've... Uh, They've been compromised, and they've had to launch their site as a, a browser-only site, no e-commerce. And it's been a week and a half. They're the third one in Canada, the LCBO, the big liquor yeah. company, and, and running room. And, and so it's just relentless, right? It's just a relentless hammering on the, uh, on the talent and the resources, right? Well, exactly. I mean, if you look at the situation you just described, the loss of revenue is incredible, but, you know, the harm to the reputation. Yeah. And then you, know, you look at the liability from having to go and, Pay for pay for that breach and all the credit services, etc. Mm. I mean, it can literally bankrupt a company. So it's yeah. it's very very important. Well, let's talk about more positive things, Matt. Talk, <laughs> let's talk about you. Let's move over to uh, let's get out, get out of that cybersecurity stuff. But it's actually kind of related because you know this ecosystem of providers that help retailers do what they do, along with companies like Shopify Plus. So, tell me about yourself. What do you do for a living, and who do you work for? Sure. So Matt Merrilee's CEO for the North America business at Global E. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been uh, assuming this role since we launched the uh, U.S. business, which yeah. was just over five and a half years ago at this point. And looking at your background, your DHL for a while, I think it was FedEx. So you, yeah. you've got deep, deep experience in moving things from place to place around the world. <laughs> I do, I do. So sales and operations background. Um, so yes, DHL, where, you know, when I did join, it was when DHL had some, call it domestic and international um, mm-hmm. experiences, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, the shift to focus on international yep. only, which uh, was, was an interesting time to be part of. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was mostly sales and operations growing through that. And then jumped over to FedEx as they were looking to put a strategy in place for e-commerce, um, both in the logistics supply chain, uh, the international standard kind of, yeah. you know, call it shipping offering, and then also the technology uh, arm of the business, which is similar to, of course, what what now globally we are doing. Yeah. Well, and how did you find your way into this business? You've been in it for a long time, but it, did you kind of, oh, there's a great opportunity, or did you were you always interested in global stuff and moving packages, or did you, the right opportunity at the right time, when you, the right place? Yeah, I'd say uh, coming out of it, it was a family-driven operations history, mm. starting with my father. Oh, okay. He was in the, the operations arena, ran uh, operations for the tri-state for Time Warner, um, and, you know, it mm. was kind of, then my brother fell into place, who then started working for DHL, and then I felt like uh, I needed to follow suit, <laughs> so I jumped uh, first job out right. and then built the, um, you know, built obviously my career, um, starting with DHL yeah. and then putting the pieces together, you know, DHL was an early investor in, uh, in globally. Um, oh, okay. so okay, there's the connection, okay. the connection of, of globally and shifting from a, a world of corporate America into a startup at the time when I joined, hmm. um, when it was, you know, two, three individuals and myself here in the U S market and, and to seeing what it is today, it's yeah. been, it's been one heck of a journey. Well, what is it today? T- tell us all about uh, globally, what you do off mic. You and I were talking to Ted Starkman from, uh, yep. from stream commerce. So I get the, you're integrated into, for example, Shopify plus, but that doesn't, you know, tell me what you do and, and what makes you guys different that, that is making you so successful. Yeah, for sure. We are a, international localization platform that helps brands and retailers break down barriers to converting 
the international traffic that, that comes to their direct-to-consumer site. So really help eliminate a lot of the barriers, everything from currency conversion to localized payment methods mm. to duty and tax strategies and guarantees to just even getting a package, as you mentioned earlier, from point A to point B mm. and the complexities there within. So really a platform um, that integrates into all of the major platforms, as you mentioned, Shopify, PacSun is on Salesforce, which is mm. another one mm-hmm. that obviously is, is quite popular and common. Um, but really, we, we make it easy from a localization perspective to make sure that our brand shops are geared for international. Okay. Um, Mike, you, you two were just on the stage, and uh, you talked about uh, stores here in America. You don't have any stores outside, physical stores outside. You have Puerto Rico, I think, but yeah. none outside of, of the U.S., basically, right? Correct. We're just North America-based. Okay. So what were you guys talking about on the stage, and how do you two work together what, uh, you know, you talked about the growth of your e-commerce. So talk about what brings you here today and, and what you're chatting about. Yeah, we were using Border Free, which was a cross-border platform we've had for a number of years. Sure. The business, while it was, you know, I would say it was not insignificant, but it was stagnant. Mm. And we felt looking at our brand portfolio and the fact that those brands had basically exposure globally, that we were not leveraging the actual full opportunity for global e-commerce. So we did a survey of the market, looked at various solutions, and you know we decided that Global E was the actual, probably the best platform for us. Mm. Um, we went ahead and converted, and you know I have to say, normally you know every conversion usually takes twice as long, costs twice as much, right. and just half of what you expect. Mm. And you know that's usually what I tell people when they want to. You know, pursue a project. But this one, we were actually pleasantly surprised. Mm. It went in and went in smooth. My CIO, uh, Shirley Gao, is she's a very, very difficult, you know, grader. And she came and said this was probably the smoothest integration she had done, which, mm. which, which was amazing. But you know, more important, it went in. We didn't have a lot of broken glass that you, you sometimes expect in these kind of projects. Sure, sure. But we've really seen basically progress here. So we looked at certain markets like uh, Australia which mm. we really didn't have a big presence. And you know, our business increased 500% in the wow. first three months. Wow. Conversion rates were up over 200%. We saw similar things in Israel, in Mexico, and in Canada. So we've been, um, we've been very pleased with the success so far. Mm. And you know, one of the things that we like is that, obviously, right now, you, know, you look at the environment, and you know, the retail's a bit soft. Mm. You have inflation. And you know, we're trying to actually you know, minimize expense. So we can't put a lot of resources at this. But the Global E team, it's kind of an extension of our, mm. of, of our team. Because the compensation model is commission-based, they win if they increase our sales. So they're always, you know, we have monthly, basically, business reviews, mm. and they're always making recommendations that we should try this, try this pricing, try this, to grow the business. And so far, it's been, you know, very, very successful and mm. it's exceeded our expectations. Well, there's a couple of uh, proof points around your product there coming out of that quick conversation. I mean, basically, tell me about, you know, how you've, other than the rest of the market have made it so seamless to integrate. And then talk about this business model where you're an ongoing partner. You're not just behind the scenes and set and forget, right? By the sounds of it, right? No, it's not. And I think as we build out the overall methodology and mindset of how we operate, I mean, it's driven by data. Mm. Um, It's data, 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 everything that we can do to not just, you know, obviously bring in the data that we have to leverage across a thousand unique, you know, merchants that Mm. are selling in multiple geographies throughout the world. How how do you harness that? I hear that on the mic a lot. It's (laughs) It's, all about data. But then when it gets actually to harnessing it and get the information and then eventually sharing it with great clients. 
How do you yeah. how do you marshal that together organizationally? Like, it's it's a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. begins with storing the data, then mining the data, and it's down to the country level. I think when you look at you know the ways that a lot of brands and retailers have looked at international in the past, it's been let me sell you know this garment at the same price point, at the same experience across the entire mm-hmm. world when. Mm-hmm. Every market has a cultural expectation on what they expect to see, right? Whether it be a European region or the UK where it's a VAT inclusive experience. If I were to to walk into a store and see this suit jacket, that price tag would be including VAT. Mm-hmm. And when you get the, to the cashier, you would be expecting to see no surprises. Right. And we take that mindset from a data mm-hmm. perspective and embed it in each and every single market. And similar, we talked a lot about Canada. Canada's very common buying experiences to that of the US, right? Where we expect yeah. to see taxes, whether it yeah. be provincial or sales tax at the point of checkout. But when you introduce duty, you kill your business. Um, and these are the nuances just mm-hmm. in duty and tax strategies, but also shipping has its own strategies, right? So it's how do you leverage the data? How do you look at it uniquely across same store sales that have been live on the platform and then regionally start to slice it up and use it and bring it to the businesses and the brands to help Mm. them be successful? Mike, you're talking about uh, global expansion. Let's move to the kind of advice for the listeners, two starts and one stop kind of advice. So you sound like you're growing in, you know, places very far from here. How is, how is that happening? Is it, I, I mean, there's certainly some awareness of the brand for sure, but that, you know, awareness of the brand to sales is a very different thing. So what's your advice on companies, you know, in your similar position looking to grow internationally? What are the things they should start doing and maybe one of the things maybe they should do less of if they're, if they're working on something? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you need to have a good partner on a, with a cross-border solution. Mm. It offers, you know, you, you need a localized experience, which right. means that you need basically the local language on checkout. You need to have the payment methods. Because, you know, different payment methods resonate in different markets. Sure. And so you need to find that. And then also returns are, reverse logistics are very important. So you need to get a provider that can support reverse logistics. Mm. And, you know, my advice would be don't try to do the peanut butter approach and boil Mm. the ocean. You know, look at where, you know, I mean, if you look at your social media platforms and you see where you actually, which, you know, regions that that Mm. you actually have engagement you know, that's where I would focus. I would focus on some key markets where you, can, you think you can make gains. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And what about, uh, I guess that's kind of both the start and the stop. You know, don't, don't try to do everything at once and, and use that social media as a for good, not evil kind of thing when you're trying to pick markets and grow in those. Is that how you grow in those markets? Like, do you, do you run marketing campaigns in Israel? Or uh, talk a, just for a few minutes about that. No, you know, we don't specifically. But what, you know, one of the things is we've launched a couple games on Roblox. We just mm. launched, you know, Paxson the Tycoon on Roblox two weeks ago, and we've had tremendous engagement. Oh, neat. And then the beauty about Roblox is that it's a global platform. And so, you know, I have, uh, my father comes from Poland, mm. and my relatives in Poland, oh, yeah, we know Paxson because they've, they learned about it from Roblox. Huh. Wow. And so I think that, you know, there's one strategy, and, of course, we're very scrappy. We're sure. not going to spend millions of dollars on advertising campaigns. Right. But, you know, things like Roblox, things like, you know, organic content. One of the things, I mean, we're playing in China. We've launched on Douyin, which is the TikTok of China. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the strategies we've used is we've hired overseas students from USC. Mm. And basically, they post content in Chinese mm. about Pakistan on, on uh, you know, on Doyen, or Little right, Red Book. Right, right. Yeah. Which, so, you know, so I mean, interesting. You, you can get scrappy. And yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, Matt, you've got a lot of clients, which I love talking to vendors because you kind of, 
you know, we got a lot of people and we learn a lot of things. So advice uh, for the listeners, uh, two things they should start doing and, and one thing they should do less of. And, and I'm sure you hear these stories day in, day out, the, the stories of success and the stories of, hey, you know, maybe you might want to try something different. So w- yeah. w- what, would you, uh, what would you share with the listeners? I would say start looking at and investing in international in mm. unique and creative ways outside of just your traditional Canada UK mm. um, and Australia markets mm. um, and, and building that brand awareness. And, um, and I think another start for, for brands is focus on your brand, focus on what you own and do best, which is marketing and building your brand awareness and, and keeping focus in, in where, you know, you, you should and, and be able to grow that business on a global scale. Um, and I think what's the biggest mistake people make, do you think? I think the biggest most mistake, common mistake I would say I would just call it one that's happened over time. Right, mm. we've seen it from a, a perspective where brands position inventory and set up websites in each and every single market mm, that okay. they operated because they felt like they had to be local. They felt like they had to have inventory next door to their customer, and I think mm. it was a tough trap to get out of. Mm. I think uh, when you build out that not only digital footprint but then inventory footprint and the overall personnel and the overall cost and the overall... It's all, a big overall lift. It's a heavy lift, it, right? It is. Um, and it's a tough one to get out of as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of leads me to my stop, um, which is, you know, I think for brands, stop, you know, trying to build this out in-house. I think uh, mm. as a selfish, um, <laughs> let's just say plug, uh, mm. it's a complex business. You know, yeah. we've got over... Don't like, underestimate the complexity of it. It's probably the, the overarching it thought, right? It is. It's, it's not, now, now, quick follow-up question. So if someone in Australia, Canada, Israel orders your product, how does it, how does it get to them and how long does it take? What, what's the expectation and what, what do you work towards? Yeah, so they order it off our website. Basically, the checkout occurs with Global Lease, so it'll be in their local language or local currency. And we've optimized it depending on... In some markets, we include the duties in the price of VAT. Otherwise, we separate it. Yeah. If we use that, you know, <clears throat> Matt talked about the analytics. So, you know, we look to them and say, okay, what works best in those markets? And I think the success we've had is by tuning it to be market-specific. Mm. And then it ships out of our distribution center in Groveport, Ohio. And, you know, there's different models. I mean, on some models, we can go and ship it direct through a carrier. Or the other models, we basically ship it to a consolidation center that's run by Global Lead. Oh, okay. And then they end up uh, basically shipping it. And, you know, that's a combination of basically uh, economics and, you know, et cetera. And, you know, and so the the whole, uh, you know, order, I mean, customers can get it between five and ten days depending on... Where the location and, is. and that's how you figured out reverse logistics as well. That that backwards, right? Yes. And consolidate and bring back, or however you're gonna, whatever you're gonna do. Are yep. you seeing? I have a quick follow up question again. Are you seeing a, a significant increase in returns? Because I talk to retailers who say they're not, but I read media stories that say it's happening. But from your experience, like as a baseline, is it a significant issue? No, I mean internationally, certainly not, and mm. actually domestically, not really. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and quite frankly, it's one thing. I always welcome returns. I mean, I don't like returns, but if they come, we want to incent customers. Sure. If they send it to the D.C., we charge them money. They come to the store, it's free. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants store traffic. <laughs> it's a great way to get store traffic. And, and, you know, I, I always look at returns when I was a retailer as an opportunity, right? Like, it's another opportunity to build another great relationship. It's also an opportunity to really screw it up. But if you do it well, it's... You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, in most cases, and you know, you end up with a if you have a good sales sales force, yeah. you'll end up with a repeat tra- with a follow yeah. on transaction. Right on, right. So on. to me, it's an opportunity. 
And I think returns even chiming in on that, I think yeah. it varies by country, right? I think mm. uh, when you look at, you know, Germany, which I know is a common use case and example, I mean, mm. we've seen return rates as high as 50, 60% yeah. in a market like Germany, yeah, yeah. which operates very differently than a market like Australia. So I think mm. it, it does get granular down to the market yeah, and the yeah. behavior of yeah. that you know, culture, which is going to drive a different yeah. experience. Interesting. All right. Well, listen, this has been great. Uh, Matt, where do we go? To, where do people go to learn more about, uh, are you a LinkedIn person to get in touch with you? And where do you go to learn more about your company? What's yeah, about globally. Approach? I mean, uh, hit our website. I think uh, everything you need to find there from sure. just experiences, Globally.com. And we are a publicly traded company. So everything you need to learn about us <laughs> is out there. Um, but yeah, globally.com is absolutely the best place to engage us and, and open up dialogue with you know, any more right. members or, or learn more. And paxsun.com and, and uh, it sounds like social media and in virtual reality as well. You're everywhere, man. Yeah, we try to be. We try to be where our customers are at. Fantastic. And you're on LinkedIn as well. You uh, you connect on LinkedIn with some folks and yeah, stay yeah, connected. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me here in the Stream Commerce Podcasting Studio at the uh, Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum in L.A., Thanks again for joining me and uh, continued success. Thank Thank you you. so much. If you like this podcast, you can follow us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, the Amazon podcast channel, or your favorite podcast platform. Please rate and review with a five-star rating and be sure and recommend us to a friend or colleague in the retail and cross-border commerce industry. You can learn more about the Global E-Commerce Leaders Forum and continue to keep up with the latest on cross-border commerce online at globalecommerceleadersforum.com. Be sure and block off your calendar for the next Galf event in New York City, October 12th, 2023. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, strategic retail advisor, keynote speaker, and podcaster, and you can learn more about me on LinkedIn. Safe travels, everyone. <laughs>